God bless you. I want to introduce to you my wife of 23 years. Clap your hands as we receive her. Amen. Greetings, family. Are you blessed to be here? So awesome to see each and everyone. Welcome to the visitors. Um, you know, this is always a tough task, ne? So you must be involved when I talk. Please, you will also have your turn. <laughs> so when I talk, be involved. Say yes, amen. Preach, preach, preacher. <laughs> yeah, this is a tough task. It's never easy to stand here, but we stand here by the grace of God. And uh, we are thankful for what God is doing in our lives. Uh, we've been through quite a lot, quite a few things, a few months uh, as a family, personal, us family, and also in the church. And, um, you know, sometimes you ask God, what's happening? You try and look at your life to see what is going on in my life. Where do I step wrong? And why me? The first question is sometimes, why me? I'm then so faithful. I then go the places I, I do. I minister to people. I preach to people. I pray for people. Why do stuff fall on me? And then God will, it's like I just became quiet. And then for, uh, after many of you know, we lost a baby three weeks ago. And after that, I just became silent for a week, about a week. I just decided to become silent. And it's amazing that in your silence, how you hear things. Suddenly you hear the sound of birds. That's the first thing you hear, and you start appreciating that sound again. Because sometimes we get so busy with our own things, our own issues, we do not, we do not hear the little things anymore. And then uh, God told me that he's intentional. In everything that he does is intentional. He has a good intention for each and every one of us. And then it took me to um, 2 Kings verse 5. So I titled my message. I don't know, you can give it another title. But it speaks about my message will be God is intentional. Okay? 2 Kings verse 5. Chapter 5, sorry. <clears throat> From verse 1. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. But look here, but a leper. So it tells us that each and no matter who we are on this earth, how rich, how poor, where we find ourselves, how we look, each and every one of us has got something in our lives that's an issue. Something that you try to pray away, you try to get away. Each and every one of us has got a challenge in our life. No matter who we are on this earth, look, this was a mighty man. He was a commander of an army. People looked up to him. Even the king would listen to the commander of the army. It is said that Naaman was a good fighter and God helped him wherever he was in war. When he fought, God would help him. And, um, but yet he was a Gentile. He was an enemy to Israel and to Judah. Okay? And God even helped him in that. When he fought with Israel, it is said that he was the one that killed Ahab. He was the one that shot the arrow and killed Ahab. And this guy, you know, if you have all of these titles, your whole community, your whole 
like the whole village, wherever they stayed, honored this man because he was a fighter. They could see God was with him. He was like their deliverer, but he had an issue. He was a leper. Now, leprosy in those days, they, would, they said leprosy in those days, uh, it was something that God inflicted on people. And it was, some, it was a disease caused by spiritual corruption. And what is spiritual corruption? Right? Spiritual corruption is when you spiritually, you find yourself derailed. You eat from any table that you can find. You go to each and every single conference that you can find. Any prophet that wants to lay hands on you, you go and see that prophet. You become spiritually corrupt because you do not know where you stand in life. I have to share this. I remember one day. You know, uh, when you're at work and you, uh, we were still young, I think we were just married. And this lady invited me to the uh, conference in church. And um, so I thought, okay, she came to our conference, let me go to her conference. So when I got there, I saw, okay, they asked for all the visitors to stand. I was the only one I stood now. And then they were preaching. And it was going on, it was going on, and then afterwards they made an altar call. Someone has to be saved. Hey, no one is putting up hands. Obviously now, who is the someone that needs to be saved? Because there's one visitor. <laughs> so I'm thinking, Lord, yeah, yeah, I'm in trouble here. So they're preaching. Now the Lord is telling me there's someone here that needs to be saved. And I'm thinking, oh, but I am saved. What am I going to do? So I'm looking at the door already to think, hey, let me just excuse myself here. Hi, they're preaching and they yell close to me. Afterwards, I see already, hey, yeah, we can't do something. So then, sister, uh, I just had a feeling I must pray for you. I'm like, Lord, okay. So I go up. As I'm standing there, now I have a short dress on, and, you know, as I'm standing there. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Sister Gloria. As I'm standing there, I'm thinking, okay. It's my day today. Something's about to happen to me. So I'm standing there and I'm thinking, this is the conference, but there's no other. It's me, so I'm the victim here today. So I'm standing there and they started praying. I, I see they're surrounding me. It's just men. And they're pushing me to fall. Hey, I'm standing. I'm having my grip. I'm thinking I'm not falling with this dress. I'm standing. So I'm saying, Lord, please help me. What must I do? I want to get out of this. So I just started to cry. You know, and you cry loud and loud so that they can leave you. They have to feel now satisfied that we prayed for her. So I started crying loud and loud. They started picking off. And they, then I just heard, I, I rebuked the Michael Jackson spirit. I'm like, yo. Huh? I rebuked the MC Hammer spirit. I'm like, yo. Is the MC Hammer and a Michael Jackson spirit in me? And I'm like, oh, where did I find myself? And as we were praying, I'm looking at the door. I'm thinking, hey, if I'm done, I'm just out, you know. He's just going to go out. Like, oh, I need to go out to the toilet. Hi, they kept me. I just wanted to sit down. Come, sister, tell us what the Lord just done for you. I'm like, hey, God has been faithful. <laughs> yeah, family, that's a joke, but that is dangerous as well. Because look at the spirits that they were trying to rebuke out of me. That's not even there. So we should know where we stand. We should know where our house is. We should know uh, uh, from which table to eat. We cannot eat from any table. We will become spiritually corrupt. And some of us inflict this, this leprosy upon ourselves. 
It's not even afflicted by God. It comes up, we do it ourselves by the things that we do, the issues that we hold in our hearts. It says it starts as a small thing. When Sister Cheney was talking about it, I think, oh, just stop, you're going to speak my message. You're talking about my message. But it starts as something small. Leprosy was to start as something small, like a small pimple, and then it will grow. But it eats of the flesh. In the old days, when the people had, were, were inflicted with leprosy, they would stay outside of the village for about seven days. Okay, they would stay, and the priest will have to go and check after seven days, are they fine? But when they had the leprosy, they would walk and they would close themselves. And when someone comes on, uh, walk past, and they will greet, they will say, unclean, unclean, because those years they would hug each other and give each other a kiss to greet. But they couldn't do that, so they had to say, unclean, unclean. And they had to stay outside. And uh, I was then, uh, remember Pastor Pumza spoke about how God inflicted Miriam with uh, a leprosy. That you find in 1 King 22, verse 35 to 36. No, 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 sorry, not that one. That is uh, the battle, sorry, not that one. But Miriam was inflicted with uh, a leprosy because she and her brother were speaking about the set man. They had a conversation about him. And then God heard, and then he called a meeting, come you, Moses. And Miriam, you come. Aaron, Moses, and Miriam, you come. And then he called them and he told them, you spoke. What did you do? You were speaking about Moses. And he came as a cloud by the door. And then as he departed, Miriam, Miriam became a leper. And then it was told that Aaron and them were asking God, pleading with God, please to heal her. But then they were told to put her outside for seven days. And I realized that we inflict ourselves with these things, with leprosy. Inside of us, we eat from this table. It starts small, from this table, from that table. You start seeing issues in church. You start seeing that. And then you decide to put yourself outside. You put yourself outside no more. You walk like this. You don't greet anymore. You are clothing yourself now. You are saying to yourself, unclean. But when you go out, you say, people are treating me funny. But if you decided to put yourself out, you put yourself out of the fellowship of the family, and you decided that that's where you're going to stay. You don't start greeting anymore. You, you, you become sulky. And in the inside, you are being eaten by this disease. It is eating you because you have decided to, to give yourself over to the issues of life. And yet we are here as a family. God has knit us together to encourage one another, to stay with one another, and to help each other to the challenges that we face. Amen? In uh, the second verse of, of Second Kings uh, chapter 5, the second verse, And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she, she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him from leprosy. Now look how intentional God is here. They, kept, they took captive the Syrians. Yeah? This is now Naaman's army. They took a young girl and they brought her to Naaman's house. So while she was there, she must have seen him in pain. This great man. She must have seen him in pain. But she knew there's a deliverer. Someone can help him. And what I like about this young girl is that she didn't, she didn't feel, hey, it's good for him. Let him... Let him let him suffer that because he took me captive. 
know she had compassion on him. And she showed her compassion by opening, opening up her mouth. Now, what tells you about this young girl tells me that this young girl grew up in church. She must have seen the, the works of the Lord. She must have seen the prophet. She must have seen and had a relationship with him. Because why? She even knew his location, where you can find him. So, and the, another thing that is so beautiful is that it's a young girl. God uses like a servant to tell him. Some of us, our answers that we are looking for is just here next to us. But we think the other people are insignificant. No, we, we do stuff up. He was a commander. And he, and uh, she's telling his wife, hey, if he, only he can go, he will be healed. And some of us, our answers are just amongst us. God has placed our answers next to us. The thing that you were looking for, I spoke yesterday to Sumi, and she said she was, she was something, uh, something happened in her life, and for months she was questioning the Lord, why this, why that? And then she, she spoke to someone at work on, on Friday, and this woman said one sentence, and it gave her the answer that she was been looking for for years. And that is why it's important for us to fellowship. You cannot be alone in your own space because the thing that you are looking for, it's place. Why will God give you your breakthrough, the answer for your breakthrough far away? It's just next to you. It's just right here next to you. So don't think other people are insignificant, that other people do not matter. Don't walk over children. Yeah, don't think they cannot, they, they, there's no way. This is a young girl that showed him the way to a dying man. She showed a way to the dying man. Let's go to um, chapter 4. Not chapter 4, verse 4. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl, who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changing of clothes. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, so here Naaman goes to his king. And he, what I like about Naaman, he responded to what the girl said to his wife. He didn't say, who's this girl? What does she think she is? How does she know people? He responded to what she said. And then he went to his king. Now, remember the king, and the, the king of Syria and the king of Israel were always in battle. Okay? So now, the, the, it tells you how powerful Naaman was. That his king immediately responded. His king didn't say, but no, I can't. You can't go there. You know we are, we're fighting with these people. No. His king, his king responded, uh, responded immediately. And he still gave recommendation to, to the other king. He gave him a letter to go with the letter. So this is how God is. God will make a way even in your enemies, in the midst of your enemies. He can make a way for you. He will open up a door ahead for you. And it's through people that you don't expect. Even though things are happening in your life, God will be able to do that. So that is what just prompted me and just loved what I loved about uh, uh, the situation. And say, hey, God, you are intentional. You are busy using everyone because you know the intentions. Amen? Verse 7. Let's go to verse 7. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? Then this man sends sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see, let me just go here, and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. Now look at this king. 
He's, he, it's like when pressure comes our way, you, what is this now? What letter is this now? What issue is this now? He tears his clothes. He tears his clothes because he does not know that there's a God and that there's a prophet in Israel. He did not even have a relationship with that prophet. Now he thinks, am I God? He's asking that question. If he had a relationship and he knew that there was a man of God in his midst, he would have directed him and said, no, it's fine. You can come. The man of God is here. But no, he tears his clothes. It shows how we go through stuff like that. When issues come our way, we... We start, immediately start stressing. And yet our children are looking at us. They're thinking, but aren't you the guys that say, God will make a way? Right? They stand next to us and look and say, but God can make the way. You are stressing here about issues like that. We, become, we come to a place where we do not even remember or know that God is there. Or there's a man or there's someone that I can call. But now we take these issues on us. And this king did not have a relationship with Elijah. That is why he did not know that there's a prophet. Then in verse... Let me go to verse 8. It says, So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent, that he sent the, to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Isn't that amazing how he, started, he just rebukes him a little bit. Why do you tear your clothes? Don't you know that there's a prophet in Israel, and, and look at the intention of God. He, makes, he will make the king aware that there's a prophet in, 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 in Israel and also the commander. Verse 9, quickly. Then, then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in, in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Now here Naaman comes, he stands at the door, he comes with all he has, all his pride, everything that he has, he comes and stands at the door of Elijah. But listen here in, in verse 9, Eli then Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, go wash yourself. Okay, so Elijah here does not come himself. He sends his messenger. Now, how should this commander feel? I am then the great one. And yeah, I come to your house to be healed. And you just send your messenger and tell your messenger the word. Look how he disrespects the word because it comes through a servant. Do you understand? You disrespect the word because it comes through someone's more. It's like pastor says, Pastor Liesl, just pray for this one. But now you're angry. Why Pastor Liesl must pray for me? I want pastor to pray for me. How does she doesn't speak the same like him? He isn't the one that has the words. You disrespect because Gehazi was working as a deputy for, for the one, the sent one. Amen. So he came. We heard, we heard about that. And he came and he, and he gave him the word. But then he got angry. And he went away and thought to himself that he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal my leprosy. See how he planned his own thing. He's saying, I thought he would come to me. And look how he says he must still stretch his hand. He's saying how he thought things would be. So that is what we do sometimes in our lives. We trust God for something, but we want to say, do you do it according to that? You bring that one to come into my house and bring me this check and do that. It's not the way it works. He will send the small one. It comes in a still small voice. But he was standing there and saying, in his mind he had his own thing. But hey, God is intentional. Look at the story, how intention God is. In verse 12, Are not Ebana and Papa the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel, 
could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. So now he's even angry about where he must go wash himself. He wants to be clean, but he's angry where he must go wash himself because the Jordan was very dirty. That's what they said. These rivers were better, but the Jordan was very dirty. But for him, it's like, why must I go there? He even wants to make his choice where to go for his healing, for his breakthrough. He even wants to tell God, I want to go there for my breakthrough. Why are you telling me I need to go there? Why are you telling me to bow down and worship you when I want to stand and just ask you for what I need? Verse 13. And his servants came near and spoke to him. Look who God uses again. His servants. And said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? Isn't it? If he told, if he told you, no, go stand on the mountain and you will be clean, you would have done it. But now he's telling something to bow down. To bow down. To become low in a river, a dirty river. How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of men of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So for me, I was just thinking, imagine how he felt when he had to go. But once again, he's listening to the servant. And um, how he felt, I'm sure the first time when he had to go and dip himself in the water, he was angry. Must have been, hey, let me go dip. You know how we feel. We may go dip and see if this thing is working. But to dip yourself seven times, it's not easy. It's not easy to dip yourself, because you must go down and up, down and up. And some of us, you know, if you have bad knees, it will be, it will be a problem for you. <laughs> but the number one spoke to me. I'm going to go through the number sev till seven. The number one spoke to me, and I, and I thought, why seven times? Okay, N number one. This number is the number of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. There's only one God, and you cannot serve another God. So what he's actually saying, the first time he dipped him in the river, he says, Naaman, there's only one God. You are not going to serve another God. Kingdom Nexus, there is only one God. You cannot serve another God. You cannot serve another thing. Your child, your husband, your job. There's only one God. The dipping has to start. You need to start dipping yourself. The number two speaks of union. Two is better than one. The number two actually points to number one saying, if you were not there, I cannot be here. Because if one cannot be there, how can two exist? So what number two was saying, Naaman, if I am not God, you cannot exist. I am God. Amen. So he had to dip himself the second time in there. See how the process and how intentional God is, even in our lives. Take this and see how God will take you through your challenges and how this becomes relevant in your challenges, what you go through. So then number three. Number three speaks of excellence, meaning that God is in control. So what is saying to Naaman? Naaman, I am in control. So he dubbed himself the third time. No, Naaman, I am in control. Kingdom Nexus, no matter what you go through, family, God is in control. I want you to know that no matter what you go through, God is in control. Number four speaks of, this is where God is setting things in order by number four. This is the day where, uh, uh, when God created the creation where he, where he, depart, he split the, the light from the darkness. 
and um, to bring order. Light was divided from darkness. So what is telling Naaman? Naaman, number four, I'm bringing things to order in your life. I am taking away your darkness and I'm bringing light. Sister Cheney, you just spoke about that. I'm going to bring light into your situation. Even with us right here, God is going to bring light into your situation. There's a split from your darkness. No more will it will be divided. Your darkness will have to move because you have now submitted yourself for the fourth time. And sometimes we think uh, situations only come once. It comes over and over, but we need to dip ourselves and know where we stand with God. Amen? Number five speaks of grace. So what he's saying to Naaman here is that, Naaman, my grace is sufficient for you. I want to tell you, family, that God, God's grace is sufficient for us. In our problems, in our situations, no matter what we face, His grace is sufficient for us. Number six, this is the number of men. It speaks of flesh, okay? So, and you know what our flesh is? Flesh is something that wants to stand strong. I don't feel like doing that. It's all about me. It's all about that. And Naaman was like that. You saw in the previous verses where he's like, why didn't he come to me? I am. Because it was all about him. But this is the part before the healing comes, before the breakthrough comes, that this needs to die, the flesh. So you need to go down number six. Some of us are at the place where the flesh needs to die, where you need to know that God is the only God, and he is in control, and we cannot live without him. What happened with number seven speaks of perfection. It says in, he came up, his flesh was renewed like a child. He was clean. He was clean. He was cleansed from all that diseases. Like a child, his flesh was like a baby. And that is where we find ourselves, people. We're on this journey. We're on this road in our lives. And God is intentional in everything that he does, wherever we find ourselves. Do not take the place that you are right now for granted. God has an intention with you sitting here right next to one another. He has an intention with you. God has placed you here with an intention. Do not uproot yourself. Because even if you say, hey, this church makes me mad. I want to go somewhere else. Somewhere else you will find the same thing. The problem is with you. You need to change. And if you change an environment, won't won't move you. It won't move you. You need to come to that place where you mature. We're on our place to Zion, people. And the road to Zion is not easy. We're on the place where the flesh needs to die. When God comes and he cleans you, he cleanses you. When you are cleansed, it's clean. You're, like an, you're fresh. You're renewed. You revive. And that's how I felt when I was lying in my bed. After my healing, I felt revived. I felt like I had vitality. But I just want to encourage you, family. The reason why God took Naaman through all of this was to save a nation. And, you know, because he was a great man in his nation. And many of us, you are great men and women at your work. You are great men in your house. And this, God is dealing with you in his special way. If you bring yourself into order, everyone around you will be touched. The children will be blessed. The people at work will be blessed by you because you are a blessing to them. Amen. Amen. Amen.